So we are starting our new series. Uh, let me guess right. Holiness that hurts the eyes. So, ooh, ooh. very exciting. But first, <laughs> certainly hurts yeah. my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> first, I've got a question for you. I've heard uh, that you like curry. I do like do you curry have very much. Like a favourite curry that you like to cook or eat, or a place uh, to I recommend. I like pretty much all curry. I prefer. Yeah. Um, uh, I like a Danzag, I have to say. I do like cooking a Danzag. That's, that's, uh, that's one of my favourite ones to cook. But, you know, Madras is pretty good. Partia is pretty good. They're all pretty good. <laughs> you know, they're all pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sri Lankan curry is good. <laughs> Thai curry is good. Chinese curry is not so good. <laughs> they should stick with stir fries. But anyway. Yeah. So you like a curry. <laughs> and um, do you want to just give us a little quick insight of your... Well, we're starting a, a, a series together where we want to look, about, look at what it means for us as a community to align ourselves with God and become like Him and provide the challenge to our society and, and an input to our society that's really something flow from heaven. So that's what we're exploring. Sounds great. The rest will... It's, like last, it's a bit like last night, Margaret saying to me, you know, what are you, what are you going to speak on tomorrow? And I'm like, you know, I really don't want to talk about that until I'm actually communicating it. It's too close right now. <laughs> I'm such a creative. <laughs> Proper lovey. So, I'm going to rave you now. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, God, I just want to thank you, Roger, and thank you for the time that you spent preparing this talk, listening to you and hearing what you've got to say to speak to us, that you can just speak through him and that we can all take something away. Amen. 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 Thank you, Roger. Yeah, we're going to have some uh, fun over the next few weeks and it's fun to see how different people uh, respond to different issues and, and how different people look at different issues. So we're going to be looking at the issue of holiness and uh, we'll be drawing some different uh, threads out from different parts of Scripture, and we'll also see how different people respond. Uh, this week, I, I've been away at uh, Westminster Theological Centre and had the privilege of sitting in some lectures on uh, uh, the doctrine of God, the Trinity, you know, eternal operations, all those things, Anselm, Augustine, to hit, all those are good, good fun. And uh, we, we were discussing the immutability of God, you know, the fact that God, you know, doesn't change, even though on occasions he might look like he changes his mind in different situations. And uh, one, of the, one of the ladies who was very bright just exclaimed, I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> and I was in, I think it's the best thing I've said all day. It really made me laugh because, you know, well, it doesn't really matter, does it, what we like? Because God is God. He is the eternal, unchanging, uh, you know, one. So, uh, so that's great fun, isn't it? And I remember as a new, new Christian, you know, having all sorts of... Um, you know, debates with God. I was still kind of getting my head around. I know I'd had this encounter with Jesus, an encounter with the Spirit of God, and I was still kind of working things out. I'm still kind of working a Christian ethic out now. <laughs> it's really complex, isn't it? How we outwork our faith in a complex world where everybody's coming from different angles and how we work that out, how I work out that faith. And in that situation, there were certain things where I was struggling with God, wrestling with God as the Old Testament, uh, great Old Testament leader did. He wrestled with God, didn't he? And had his 
hip put out a joint after a long night's wrestling and limped thereafter. So, so we're, all, we're calling us as a church and individuals to wrestle with God in our lives and to, to understand what it means when, you know, Paul in Philippians 2, he, he says, he calls us to shine like stars in a depraved generation. And, and that builds out of his picture of Jesus earlier as the one who laid aside his majesty. And in that act of humility and almost foolishness, the one who was all-powerful, through whom all things were created, in whom all things hold together, lays aside, voluntarily uh, denies himself a proper place and just comes as a human being, even though he holds the creation in his very essence, still he lays aside that majesty and chooses to go to the cross and lay aside his life and humbling himself. And in that act, is exalted to the right hand of the Father and becomes Lord of Christ. Now that is upside down, isn't it? You're the one who lays down his life, who dies, who humbles himself, becomes the greatest and the most powerful one and that every knee will bow and every knee will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now that's counter-cultural ethics. And Paul says, shine like stars. And it's interesting that this ethic, this view, which seemed like foolishness to the Romans, actually within two or three centuries had become the predominant approach. Even though they had been burnt at the stake, that, you know, they'd been put on the top of stakes, they'd been used as, as flares and lights at, at Nero's house, they refused to capitulate, they refused to come under the power of Caesar, to come under the power of Rome, they refused to say Caesar is Lord, all of those things, suddenly the, the logic, this illogical logic, this foolish of God was proved to be wiser than man's strength and things happened. And so when we come to Christ and we become Christians and even through our lives, we, we will continue to wrestle with the holiness of God and with the justice of God and with the ethics of God. You know, there are some ethics and values that are universally accepted that we can see that are universally good. Yet at the same time, there are some values that cut against the grain of a materialistic, utilitarian, individualistic society, you know, where the edge justifies the means or, you know, all that is valuable are the things that I can see and touch where, you know, power is what reigns and what is good and, and weakness is not seen as good, all those kind of things. And so as we, as we grow as Christians and as we move forward, these things become a challenge, but they begin to transform us. And I remember as a, a new Christian, you know, long-haired, headbanger, kind of, you know, coming into the church from a, a completely, you know, non-Christian framework. There were obviously some, you know, in, in a sense, it's hard for anyone in the West to have a completely non-Christian framework because all, all of our thinking and all of our framework has been shaped by the Christian worldview for I don't know how many centuries. So, you know, the fact that we believe in that there is a right and a wrong and that there are such things as human rights, we, we owe that to Judeo-Christian Christianity. But let's put that to one side uh, and just say that I came from a completely non-Christian fra framework and, and found myself, uh, you know, filled with the Spirit, encountering Jesus and then, you know, reading in the New Testament, be holy as I am holy. 
<laughs> I'm thinking, I don't know how holiness fits with me in my life. Or, you know, you, know, you read Jesus, you know, and he says things like, you know, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. <laughs> I'm reading that and thinking, well, good luck with that, Rog. You know, we're not being getting to perfection anytime soon. But I read a couple of character, uh, comments, commentators on it, and they, you know, evangelical commentators, obviously, they said, well, look, you know, actually, it's, it's p- positional perfection. You know, because in Christ we've all been forgiven and we've been made holy, so we are perfect in Christ. Mm, I don't really think that's, that's what, uh, I don't think that's what Jesus is on about in that situation. Jesus is presenting us a challenge. He's saying that you worship a God, uh, you know, a God who is God. You know, and for God to be God, he needs to be the highest ideal, the most glorious, wonderful, loving example of power and might and wisdom that we could ever imagine and then it's far then he is far beyond all of that that's who God is and so Jesus presents to us God gives us something to aim for (laughs) and and holiness and the aspiration to be more like Jesus to be more like God is that we have something to to aim for, not the, and we're in a society where we don't aim at anything. We don't want to make anybody feel bad by putting a high expectation. You don't have to feel bad, you know, because Jesus has died, and the love and grace of God has made a way for you to come into the presence of God and to experience His love and His freedom and His grace. And you know, the most liberating and freeing thing to to, to have is that understanding that we worship a God who is perfect, whose ways are just and true. And so when Jesus says, be perfect as my, heavenly, my Father in heaven is perfect, that doesn't push us down. It, may, it basically gives us something to aim for, gives us an anchor, gives us something that's true. You know, we can be surrounded by depravity and brokenness and all of the, where do we look? Where else could we turn? Well, we turn to God, who's supremely revealed in Jesus, to find the way, to see the light. And it's the light that draws us and leads us forward. And as I was thinking of today, I couldn't get away from the story of Thomas uh, in John 28. Because where does holiness start? John 20 and 28. You have this, this story of, you know, Jesus has risen from the dead and uh, certain of the disciples, led, of course, by Mary, um, you know, come to Thomas and they say, he's risen, he's alive, he's here. And, 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 and Thomas, who had obviously been with Jesus, he was a disciple, he, you know, he, he may have seen the dead raised. He would have certainly seen the water turn to wine. He may even himself have prayed for people in the name of Jesus and seen people healed. So he'd, he'd been in and amongst the, the thing. You know, he'd seen it happen. But, you know, his exclamation was, well, I'm not going to believe what you lot are saying until I've seen him. And then Jesus enters the room and says to Thomas, Feel my hands, feel the holes in my hands, feel my sight. Here I am. I am physically, I'm here. I've risen. And um, Thomas exclaims, my Lord and my God. (laughs) Just an exclamation. And that's, that's the beginning 
of holiness in us. When we get to that place where we, we meet Jesus, we encounter the living Jesus, we, we, we are touched by the Spirit and we say, my Lord and my God. And I remember as a 19-year-old had experienced the forgiveness of God that I couldn't quite understand. I'd, I'd experienced the encounter with the Holy Spirit that all I could say is I was a different person. I was thinking differently. I was feeling differently. Everything in me was just attracted and drawn. I just wanted to run towards God. And, and there was something in me that just cried out, my Lord and my God. I don't even know what this means. I, I think it probably means my sexual ethic might be changing. Uh, I think this probably means the way I view the world might be changing. I think this might mean the way I'm looking at money and finances might be changing. I think everything might be changing, but my Lord and my God. And that is where it all starts. And as I was reflecting on that, you know, that's where my journey started. I was asking myself, you know, what, what would my 19-year-old self exclaiming my, my Lord and my God, full of the Spirit with his life ahead of him, thinking, what does all this mean? And how is all this? What would my 19-year-old self say to me? <laughs> what would he say to me? I think he'd say to me, uh, please show me that this can work. Please show me that everything will be all right. Please don't become boring Please be radical for me. Please build a life. Show me how I can build a life and lead forward. Please give me some clues. Please, please be a role model. Would you be a hero for me? That's what my 19-year-old self would have said because I was looking around for those kind of things. And what would I say to my 19-year-old self? <laughs> It'll all be all right in the end. Don't try so hard. You'll be fine. Go for it. Shoot for the stars. Don't hold back. Don't let the suckers get you down. Don't go to the lowest common denominator. Shine. Be who you can be. That's what I'd say to my 19-year-old self. Now, whether my 19-year-old self would have listened to me, I would very much <laughs> doubt. But, you know, <laughs> there we go. Um, so I think, for me, that's where holiness starts. You know, it's where um, Thomas exclaims, my God. Now his, in his mind, he would be thinking, Yahweh, the one God. Uh, and... Uh, you know, a Greek looking at it would probably, you know, well, my, my God, there would have been lots of different gods, you know, because in but the, the Roman mind, the Christians were atheists, you know, because they only, only believed in one God rather than, <laughs> than loads of them. So we're a bunch of atheists in the, the Roman mind. But not quite. But, but this thing of my God is this, in that context, there wasn't an option, you know, we think, oh yeah, there's people that believe in God that order their lives around God, and then there's people that, that don't believe in God that don't order their lives around God. In that context, in the culture, it, it, the whole of life would have been ordered around the belief in some kind of supernatural being. All of their festivals, the, the, when they gave birth, dedication of the whole of life had this supernatural dimension to it. 
And so when Thomas exclaims, my God, (laughs) Jesus, you are the one, you are the expression of the one. So the whole of my life, everything now has changed. You are, you know, Paul talks about Jesus as the logos, you know, in the Greek mind, that was the, you know, the, the eternal principle of order that orders the universe, you know. You are my God. You are now the principle that comes in and reorders the whole of my life and the whole of my being. You are the person that does that. And when, when he says, my Lord, he, you, 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 you probably had in mind the Lord God in the Old Testament. But in the New, New Testament concept, it, it, that, that was a pretty um, dangerous thing. Jesus is Lord because only Caesar was Lord. You know, even Jesus said, well, look, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Well, you can pay a few taxes if you like. Give to God what is God's, which is everything, <laughs> which trumps Caesar. And so for the early church, this sense of, you know, Caesar is Lord, it got them in hot water because they would not bow down to Caesar. They would not worship Caesar. They would not, they would not you know, sacrifice to idols. They would not do those things. And as a result, many of them, were martyred. There was that radical sense of obedience, that sense of being under new ownership. And I think that's where holiness starts. You know, it's like when, when a house changes hands. You know, we just this week, we got some friends moving into a house that Margaret's parents own. And, you know, and that house is under new ownership. And, and the lot that were there before were great. Well, they've gone. And then the next lot will come in. And, and it's a completely different place. It's the same place, but it's completely different. The garden's going to be different. The lounge is going to be different. Everything is going to be different. It's the same house, but it's different. When I gave my life to Jesus, I came under new ownership. You know, my living room, you know, my living room, my, my hall and my lounge changed dramatically. And, and that's what the journey of holiness is all about. It's, it's about the encounter with the unchanging purity and beauty of God invading our lives and bringing about transformation. And so we are measurably under new ownership. You know, Jesus said, uh, you know, a new command I give to you. On the one hand, he said, look, nothing's disappearing from the Ten Commandments and the Shema of the law. You know, I've come to fulfill it I've come to complete it. I'm not chucking it out, but actually I'm giving you a new command. <laughs> it's, those two things come together. It's a command of love. It's love now working within and around the law, bringing out something that, that comes from within. It's a transformation. It's an inside-out kind of move. And, and you see this time and time again in Jesus. You see Jesus encountering the woman caught in adultery, who was moving towards God, who was opening her heart to God and bringing forgiveness, and yet at the same time dealing with those who saw holiness as somehow this outside thing, you know, purely behavioural system, and just called them whitewashed tombs. And so in Jesus we see a kind of an inside-out transformation that begins to move as we are changed in heart. And we'll look at that as we conclude a little bit later. So as, as we move forward through this morning, you know, holiness is not this kind of disembodied sort of concept. You know, 
it is as much about what we do as who we are. You know, righteousness in the New Testament kind of has those two elements. It's about, uh, it's about that change within that comes about through the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus that none of us can make it in our own strength, that we've all fallen short of God's ideal. We all look at God's ethic and we think, be perfect, you've got to be joking. And, and, and then Jesus says, well, that's why I died upon the cross. That's why I rose again from the dead. So I give of you my, free and my, my, my freedom and my spirit and my grace. And I, give you, and I come within you and I transform and I change your heart. Now you can begin the process of, yes, you've been made holy. You can come into God's presence. But now there is a process. And that process involves different areas. It, it's relational and it's behavioural. You know, it's not a disembodied idea. And so it's about speech, it's about generosity, it's about honesty, it's about integrity, and it's about faithfulness, which many people in society say, yes, they're jolly good things. You know, and, until, of course, you know, you have to put your head on the chopping block to stand for one of those Framework. So holiness is relational. It's behavioural. It's the spirit changing us. It's about the fruit of the spirit. It's about all of those stuff. Holiness is material as well. It's, it's, it's material. It's about how we give. It's about how we prioritise our lives. Whether we our priorities around loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbour as yourself. That's, those are the priorities that sit right there. You know, I, I, over the years, loads of people have come to me and said, um, so, so, so how does your church... Um, so, 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 so can I ask you something? Yeah, yeah, would you like to ask me it now? How does your church, um, you know, money... How does it work? I said, well, you know, we, we're Christians, we're tithers. <laughs> you know, we, we believe that we want to give the first fruits of everything we own to God and to the work of God. And that, that includes the church, but it includes more widely because for us, being different, shining like stars mean we need to don't just realign our hearts and our passion and our heart, that everything we have gets converted <laughs> you know, the converge, people talk about conversion these days. We don't like to talk so much about conversion because we're all on a journey. You know, we, we are on a journey, but, you know, you look in the New Testament, I mean, I've had quite a few conversions. <laughs> you know, it turns of, what, no, that's heresy. No, it's not heresy. It's just, it's unhelpful. But, you know, I, I, I did have a moment when I came to Jesus, but I've had many moments where I've strongly encountered the Lord in a transformational way that has brought a dramatic change in my life and so if you've never had that experience I would want to encourage you this morning first off to 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 come and say Jesus be my Lord and we can pray for you but but that you know there's certain times along the line where we have a dramatic encounter that you can only see as a conversion that brings transformation into areas of sexuality and thinking and morality, a lifestyle, and, you know, it's when things get loose. So when you say to people, well, actually, yeah, yeah, how did you do this beating? Well, everybody gave sacrificially. Huh? 
Well, to me, that's shining like stars. It's showing that there is a Lord who's Lord even of over our economics <laughs> as individuals and families. And, la- and another area, there's lo- we could look at it in different ways. Holiness is also physical. You know, both Jesus and Paul were very pro-body. <laughs> and... and uh, you know, what, what we do and how we behave and how we express ourselves and how we view our bodies, that that's, that's part of life and lifestyle and is really important. It's part of holiness. It's yielding all of those things to God. So where does that leave us? I think we have, as we pursue perfection, <laughs> sounds strange that pursue perfection. It's not, I'm a pragmatist. You know, it's not, not something that I'm usually expecting or aiming for. <laughs> my, my wife is a bit more perfection than I am. You know, it's sort of like, how, it, you know, the constant thing is, how can we make this better? You know, it's like, in, in every situation, that's why she does so well in certain areas. With me, I'm just like, I'm a good enough person. You know, I just want the thing uh, to work <laughs> for everybody. So I'm willing to adjust, uh, as unreasonable as I may seem at times. Um, but but uh, I don't know where we're going. We know where we, so there, but it seems to me that when we encounter the Spirit, you know, what, what we realise is it's not what goes at, it comes into us, Jesus says in Mark 7, that makes us unclean. It's not the food that's going on. It's not these externals. It's what comes out of your heart and your mouth that makes you unclean. And so what we need is this new heart. We need this encounter with Jesus. We need this cleansing of the Spirit so that what, out, what comes out of us is a reflection of that. Secondly, another principle that Jesus was really hot on is that... Um, the eye is the lamp of the body. I love that. You're Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If what you look at is good, then the whole of your body is good. But if your light, the thing that you're looking at is bad, how dark will you be? You know, and that's a great psychological principle. It's brilliant. It's great psychology. Uh, and obviously, it's Jesus, so it's authoritative. Um, but, you know, we, 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 we seem to think, don't we, in this liberal society that, you know, we can look at things and we consume certain things that it won't affect our who we are. But I think there's pretty good statistics that people that spend their time playing and are preoccupied with violent games and violent stuff, they may get affected by that. That people who you know, are looking at pornography of different types, they might find themselves being hardwired and influenced by those dynamics. And and the things that we look at, what we behold, the things that we consider as good, you know, we need to do an audit (laughs) of our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and say, are the things that I think are good and the things that are value, are the really things that God values? Because if I look at something and I see that as good and I allow that to sit as good within me, and as far as God's concerned, it isn't good, then I'm going to damage myself and damage others that are around me. So holiness is a bit like, if we want to move in that direction, it's learning to focus on the right stuff and to enable the light of God and the light of others to come and illumine our hearts and our souls.
So in conclusion, we will end up swimming against the stream. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2 are well worth looking at. You know, you are a holy nation. You know, be holy as I am holy. That's where that's there. You are a, a royal priesthood, a holy people called to declare the praises of him. And uh, some of the old translations call us a peculiar people. Oh, and uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I, uh, <coughs> I heard of a guy who's uh, doing his... Uh, PhD on, on, on sexuality and uh, he articulates very, very strongly. He's speaking a lot to diverse communities. He's a celibate uh, gay, but he said, well, you know, I'd like to argue that, you know, if, if queer is about being different and, di uh, and distinctive and not fitting the, the, the common values of society, and rebelling against society and the dominant values, I'd like to argue that Christianity, since its establishment and through the ages and today, is, is, the, is the queerest faith of all. Uh, and so he, he does this whole, <laughs> he's done his PhD on it, I can't wait <laughs> to read it. So, uh, because, because basically, we... we there are some things that we stand for that everybody will think, oh, they're jolly good and they're jolly nice and they're jolly wonderful. And there are other things that we will stand for by the ways of laying our life down and, and ethics and frameworks that some around will think, I can't go with that. <laughs> and we've just got to be comfortable with the two. Because actually, even as we encounter God and encounter Jesus and we learn there will be all kinds of things that we will have to wrestle with and we are wrestling with. So this leaves me with the conclusion that for all of us, the great place to be is my Lord and my God. All the time we are in that place, no matter where we're coming from, no matter what we're wrestling from, no matter how... We feel, I'm not sure I could do this Christianity thing or I certainly can't do it the way that person's doing it. And, uh, you know, but all the time, it's my Lord and my God. We're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. And, and if we have this understanding that actually, you know, we are under new management and con consistently our homes, our lives are being renovated by the Word and the Spirit of God. I'm going to pray. I don't know whether Margaret has any ideas as to what to do. Um, we're a great partnership together. <laughs> Let's pray, shall we? Lord, I am overwhelmed. Not in a bad way. In a good way, I'm awestruck. You are Lord and God. You are my Lord and my God. You are our Lord and our God. I invite you to come and do what ever you want to do with me. I want to cooperate with that. Teach me, Lord.
Instruct me in your ways. I give myself to you. I long for your management of my home. You to decorate the walls of my life with your art. To lay the foundations that you want to lay. I long for that, Lord. Build my life. I long for you to build my life. And I will build my life upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.